Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Hello, guys. Uh, it is wonderful to have you on the show. Glad you could join me for this episode. We are in pod three of 11 episodes. That is about the 22 reasons to stop believing in God video. Now, I know that some of you have gotten confused by the title, 22 Reasons to Stop Believing in God. That's not what I'm standing for. I'm rebutting it. Okay, so I'm giving oppositional ideas um, in regards to what people say are good reasons to stop believing in God. Now, so far, I've I've covered four objections to the belief in God. And those issues range from issues of free will to God's omniscience. In other words, that God knows everything. If God knows everything, then I don't have free will, etc., etc. Please go listen to those podcasts. Uh, um, also, why space is so huge and why God couldn't even stop a murder when there were only four people on the earth. If you, and if you want to know more about that, please just go listen to the previous two episodes and just go check them out. Uh, some interesting things there. Just want to make a quick advertisement that I spoke about last week about my book. Um, it's dated to uh, launch on the 1st of August on Amazon. You can already go check it out there. You can pre-order the, the Kindle. You can you can. Order for yourself the, the hard copy, the paperback. I'm still busy with the audio. That's not finished yet. If you live in South Africa, I would not recommend that you that you get the book from Amazon, but that you actually, um, you can just contact me and I, I can send you a copy. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be too expensive to buy in dollars. I mean, the, the Rand dollar is just not looking well at all. So if you know someone who doesn't believe in God because of church, this book will probably be quite good for them. If you have been going to church your whole life you and you're struggling with your relationship with God, it might be a good book to read. Um, if you go to church, you're a traditional Christian, you're like a Sunday Christian, this, this book might really, really challenge you. If you've never uh, taught somebody the gospel and you want to, you really want to do the will of Christ, this will be a very good book for you to read. And so what I'll be doing is on the 1st of August, I'm going to launch an online um, book launch. I'm going to do an online book launch and I want to invite you to that. It's going to be on Facebook and YouTube. Um, that will be 6 p.m. on Saturday, the 1st of August, South African time. And that is 9 a.m., uh, American Western time. I think it is. I think America's nine hours behind us on the on the West Coast. It will be wonderful to to have you join me. You can just go onto my Facebook page on the 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 first of August at uh, six p.m. and then I'm just going to talk a little bit about a book. It will be just about fifteen minutes long. And if you if you can find any value in what I say, then I think it will be a good idea to get yourself a copy. So. For tonight, or for today, we're going to talk about rebuttal 5 and 6 of 22. So here they are. This is number 5. Let me say what this guy says. Myth of a great flood and a virgin birth were around long before Jesus came around. Maybe those are just elements of an interesting story. Okay, the second one was this. Virgins cannot get pregnant. Not without modern medicine anyway. And... Uh, I'm sure that you know what he's talking about. Yeah, he's talking about Mary. All right, so let's go to the first one uh, for today. Myth of a great flood and a virgin birth were around long before Jesus came around. Maybe those are just elements of an interesting story. Well, I think there's, there's maybe a lot of stuff to say there, and I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but I'm just going to 
um, respond to that, I think, in, in a way that will do justice to the, to the truth. Um, let's talk first about the myth of a great flood. Now, I did a podcast on that a few podcasts back. Um, you can just go check it out on Podbean or I think even there's a, it's, it might be on YouTube as well. Um, this myth of a great flood. Uh, let me just give a brief summary of what I spoke about there. It's about it's about Noah's flood. Now I don't know if you've read those of you who haven't read the Bible, you can go check the story out in Genesis chapter six. And in that podcast, I I played a clip of Michael Shermer, um, where he made the claim that there was a flood myth before the story of Noah. All right, and he said that the flow the Noah flood story was a copy of the other myth. And the specific myth he, I think he was talking about there was the Epic of Gilgamesh. Now, you can go Google that and you can go read about this Epic of Gilgamesh. And I just want to say, you know, just want to give a brief summary of what I said in that podcast, that there's a difference between a myth and a factual event. Now, there's much more evidence that a flood happened in our world than evidence that a flood never happened. There are more than 200 flood stories across the world. I don't know if you know that, but there are more than, let me just say that again. There are more than 200 flood stories across the world. Okay. Uh, Hawaii has got a flood story. Peru has got. Lawad Islands have. The Fiji Islands have that. The Aztecs in Mexico has that. Uh, India, <coughs> China, Russia, Italy, Egypt, Greece, Asia Minor, Syria, Persia, Assyria, Babylonia. And if you go look at all these people, so uh, all these places, I mean, as Michael Shermer said that um, people who live close to water tend, tend to have lots of flood stories and flood myths. And I can understand that because you would think, okay, well, it's probably a, a tsunami. Like the people in Hawaii, they probably have a flood story. I mean, there was a tsunami probably, there's, there's been tsunamis probably a few times. All right. But however, these flood myths that we, that we have, all these flood stories that the cultures of the world, more than 200 of them, um, carry are not all places close to water. Let me give you a very simple example. Uh, what about Baghdad? What about Iraq today? All right. I mean, that it's a desert land. What's the chances that a landlocked, well, um, primarily landlocked country is going to be flooded by a tsunami? You get what I'm saying? And there's, you know, I'm going to go through each of these countries. You can go check out the previous podcast. Um, now, I can go, I mean, these, these are just flood stories that have been going around, which is highly unlikely that it's always talking about tsunamis. Okay, I can go on and on about the evidence for the flood. We can talk about the dinosaur bones um, that have been found in specific places, all grouped together. The only thing that makes sense is that these animals were drowned with water and, they, and the, the, the flow of the water led them to settle in a specific area. You can go read about that. Uh, we can talk about the bones found stuck on the roof of a cave in South Africa um, that could only get there due to the, the pressure of masses of water. We can talk about fossilized trees in North America that, that all lie facing one direction. And there's only one explanation for that, and that's catastrophe. Um, you know, we, we could go on and on about that. But I, I want to just briefly, um, all I want to point out is, is this, that there's loads and loads of evidence, evidence that there really was a flood. Okay, there's evidence. Okay. Now, the two most ancient, the oldest writings that we have of a flood taking place is the story of Noah in the Bible and then the story of the Epic of Gilgamesh. And I think the Epic of Gilgamesh was written in Sumerian language. Now, if the flood was a real event, which one of these two, the Epic of Gilgamesh 
or the Noah flood would be more accurate? That's the question that we need to ask, because it seems like the one might have borrowed from the other one. I think that's the implication that many people bring over, and they say, well, the, the story of, of the flood was just a story copied from an ancient myth, because the Epic of Gilgamesh was older than the story of the flood. Well, I, it is true. It is true. The actual document, the actual stone tablet on, on, on which the Epic of Gilgamesh was written, is an older artifact than the most the, the oldest scriptures that we do have that talk about the flood it is true but that does not mean that the story of the flood is not older just because the document um, is younger than the epic of gilgamesh doesn't mean that the actual story in that document um, is, is discredited so when you look at the epic of of gilgamesh and you compare it with the flood story You've got to ask the question, which one has the more concrete details? Which one seems to be more factual and accurate when you read it? Which one is more likely to be a myth? Okay. So let me talk just briefly about the Epic of Gilgamesh. The, the names are different. The details are far less. The number of gods are different. The story is a little bit more blurry. There are less facts. If you look at the Noah story, you read of Noah's children who were on the ark. After the flood, you read about exactly where they went and lived. And those places where they went to live still today have the same names as the grandkids of Noah. The story of Noah is situated in today's factual world. The Epic of Gilgamesh talks about the gods Ishtar and Ea. Nobody worships these gods today that they're non-existence there's no such religion yet the same Yahweh in the flood story is still worshipped today across the world one religion survived between the two the other one didn't okay so what's the point there's ample evidence that a flood happened the epic of Gilgamesh is too blurry and much more of a myth than the Noah flood story the Noah flood story carries concrete details of actual people's names okay and places for example um, whereas the Epic of Gilgamesh is more blurry. You know, go read it for yourself, then you'll see. Um, yes, the Great Flood happened thousands of, thousands of years before Jesus. That's the point this guy in the video is, is making, right? And, and I'm not sure why that's an issue, that there was a story. Jesus didn't write down the story of the Flood. No, the, the story of the Flood happened more than 2,000 years before Jesus Okay, but Jesus did speak about the flood, but he's not the one who wrote down the story of the flood. So I don't really get his point. Um, the, the story of the flood doesn't discredit the existence of Jesus or anything. So I don't really what the point get what the point is there. But I thought about just talking briefly about the actual flood. So that um, for in case you didn't listen to the previous podcast, you, you could know that there's some serious validity in the actual flood story that the Bible talks about. And that mustn't be compared to a, a, a writing like the Epic of Gilgamesh. And if you go read the two accounts for yourself, you'll see why. But maybe he's got a better point when he talks about the virgin birth. Because he says there were many um, virgin birth myths around before Jesus came. And with that, I have to agree and say that it is true. There are loads of virgin birth myths that predate Jesus. Some even date 2,000 years before Jesus in Egypt. Now, I thought about briefly just looking at the differences between these myths and the story of Jesus, and there are some big differences. And if you go Google, you just go Google those myths and you read up about them, and then you go to the biblical text and you read about Jesus' birth from a virgin mother, you go read those, you, you see there's vast differences, but I don't want to spend too much time on the differences. I just wanted to point out three points. Firstly, the virgin birth of Jesus 
was prophesied 700 years before it happened. You can go read that in Isaiah 7 verse 14. So before this Jesus was birthed apparently from a virgin, a prophet already prophesied that that is what is going to take place. And those writings of the prophet Isaiah, for example, were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 1900s. All right. So it's it's legitimate documents. It's not like a story that was made up. It, it And that puts a spin on things. So it wasn't something that people made up after Jesus lived. Like one day people decide, okay, let's create a story that Mary was a virgin. No, because then they would have to discredit the the writings of Isaiah 700 years before that. And then uh, the writings that was only found now in the in the 1900s. So, so the Dead Sea Scrolls really confirm that we can trust the prophet Isaiah. Secondly, Jesus was a real historical figure. Whereas most of these other myths talk about people that we don't know even lived for a fact. <clears throat> and you would know that if you go read these, these myths. Jesus was a real historical figure. Very few scholars in our world today, atheist or not, um, claim that Jesus did not live. There's too much evidence. Thirdly, all the New Testament scriptures testified to the virgin birth. If it wasn't true, then certainly his mother would have objected or even his brothers. If it wasn't true. Right? But they didn't. Instead, they became his followers. They followed him. All right. If you look at the ancient pagan myths, they are totally different and very obscure. But anyways, uh, I don't even find it necessary to do the comparisons. Here is why. And, I, and, and this is the real point I want to make. Just because there were myths before the Jesus event doesn't mean the Jesus story isn't true. Just going to repeat that again, okay? Just because there were myths before the Jesus event that is similar to the Jesus event doesn't mean the Jesus story isn't true or it was borrowed from these myths, okay? So I heard Frank Turek, who's an apologist, um, talk about this, and I just want to use the illustration that he used. Um, I wanted you to think about which ship I'm talking about. There was a ship going on its maiden voyage from Europe that came across the Atlantic. It didn't have enough lifeboats on it. It happened about a century ago. It hit an iceberg and sank and a lot of people died. Which ship do you think I'm talking about? And I'm sure that there's probably most of you, you've got one word coming up in your mind and it is this, Titanic. But that's false. That's not the ship that I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about that ship. I'm thinking of the ship called the Futility. Now go Google this. Go Google this. The Futility is the ship's name. It was a novel written in 1898. It was a book written in 1898. Okay, About the ship Futility that traveled across from Europe to, to the Americas and sank. Hit an iceberg and it, and it sank. Okay. Now, this book contains many of the same details as what occurred to the Titanic 14 years later. The Titanic sank in 1912. All right. So here's a book written about a real event that took place 14 years later. Now, no one is going to say that the fictional, fictional novel was, that was written 14 years before the Titanic, that all the news reports of the Titanic must be false and must be borrowed from the novel. Right. So when you go read a newspaper article about the Titanic sinking, are you going to trust it or are you going to say, no, 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 it can't be real. I think that's a myth or, or, or just a, a copy of what the novel said that was written 14 years before that. So you discredit the Titanic event 
because there was a novel written that's almost exactly the same 14 years prior to that. I hope that you can see the issue here. I hope, I hope it gets quite clear. Let's, let's use a, a modern day example. And I've heard many people talk to me about this. Have you seen the movie Contagion? Contagion. It's apparently about a virus. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I haven't watched the movie, but it's apparently also about a virus. Very much the same thing as what's taking place with us today. I just think it's a little bit more intense as the movies generally are. Um, some people say, I think somebody said it's also about a coronavirus. You know, you can, you can just correct me about that. But it's also about a pandemic. No. Will people, now that was, that movie was made in 2011. We're in 2020 now. Okay, so nine years before this pandemic we are in, there was already a movie made about this pandemic. Now imagine 200 years from now. Okay, will people in 200 years from now say that the 2020 pandemic was not true because a movie came out in 2011 that carried similar events and ideas. So we discredit the 2020 pandemic never happened. Just because there are similarities, here's the point, just because there are similarities between the myths and the events of Jesus' life doesn't mean that the stories of Jesus were borrowed from the myths. I hope the point is clear. If not, just rewind again and listen to this, to this section again. Let's go on to the next point. So that was number five. Let's go on to number six. Virgins cannot get pregnant. Not without modern medicine anyway, says our gentleman. Now, I actually like this, this part. I really enjoy this because I'm going to put a little bit of a spin on this and make us think. Well, if you don't believe in miracles, then you won't believe in the virgin birth. And generally, atheists, they are the type of people who don't believe in anything that they cannot prove or, or see with their eyes or test, etc., etc., um, now, I don't want to go on this show and talk about all the arguments for and against miracles. Um, so let me just go in the direction of Vince Vitali. Go, go Google him. He's also an apologist. And he was asked this question. And I just love the way they responded to this. And that's all I'm going to share with us on this topic. Uh, he was asked about the virgin birth. And I'm going to just try to put it in my own words and mix it with his words a bit. But walk with me for a second and think about this. There are basically... Uh, two broad worldviews, okay? One is with God, in my case, the Christian God, and one worldview is without God. It's atheism. One believes in God and the miracles in the Bible. The other one does not believe in God and does not believe in miracles, especially not the miracles in the Bible, okay? Everybody with me? There's two, two worldviews. Atheists don't believe in God. They believe in evolution generally. They believe in the theory of evolution. That's how everything came to be. That's how we came into existence. We spoke about it last week. We're animals. We come from animals. We, we you know, there's, there's not much difference between us. Okay. Now, they believe in the thoughts of Darwin, um, Einstein, guys like Stephen Hawking, Richard Dawkins, and, and their science, etc. Now, Stephen Hawking is sort of the, is the king, the, the guru of cosmology and, you know, all these big questions of life from a scientific perspective. And listen to what he said. He said, the universe can and will create itself out of nothing. Okay. The greatest scientific atheistic mind probably that the world had ever seen. Stephen Hawking. Okay. He said the following. I'm going to repeat it again. The universe can and will create itself out of nothing. Okay. So the universe we live in is a miracle. It can create itself out of nothing. Okay, 
In other words, atheists believe that the earth came into existence out of nothing. There was nothing and suddenly there was something. Now, what does that sound like to you? That sounds like a miracle, doesn't it? That sounds like a virgin birth to me. Right? The earth gives birth to itself. That's a miracle. Science, scientists agree that the universe had a beginning. That everything comes from one point. But they believe it happened by itself. There was no God. There was no seed planter. There was no impregnation. All right? The universe came to life by itself. Very much the same way as Jesus came to life in Mary's womb by himself. Not through intercourse. Now what's the point? We all have one of two virgin births to accept. Either the world started out of nothing by itself. That's a miracle. That's what atheists believe. Or Mary fell pregnant by herself through the power of God to send himself into the world and to save the world. Either way, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, you've got to believe in the virgin birth. The one is the birth of the universe out of nothing. And the other one is the birth of Jesus Christ out of a virgin either way we live in a miraculous world maybe it is not a matter of whether we believe in a virgin birth it's just a matter of which virgin virgin birth we choose to accept we can choose to accept the atheistic virgin birth of a universe that is blind pitiful and indifferent towards us or we can choose to believe in the virgin birth of a god who loved us so much that he came to be born among us suffer with us and call us into a relationship with himself is it crazy to believe in a virgin birth yes it probably is but if so then we're all crazy both the christian and the atheist both of us believe in a virgin birth some just choose the earth being birthed out of nothing while others choose to believe that god is capable of impregnating a virgin and bringing his son into the world some virgin births are better than others right um which one do you choose so let me conclude and just give some pointers to the atheist to ask question to the atheist two things first statement is this everything that exists has a cause it's a fact ladies and gentlemen everything that exists has a cause except the earth if you're an atheist now i'm just trying to be a little bit cocky like like this guy is right everything that exists has a cause except the earth if you're an atheist if you believe the earth was birthed through nothing and no one then i've got to be honest then you are irrational and unscientific because everything that i see around me has a cause okay everything has a cause Secondly, the facts matter to atheists, except the fact of Jesus' existence and the evidence of a huge flood. That, I mean, that we can ignore. If, you, if you're an atheist, you can ignore the facts that are religious in nature or that's confirmed by religiosity, confirmed by the Bible. When it comes to Jesus and the Bible, it must be myths according to the atheists, even though there's evidence for these things in the world. So there's a biased um, view of facts. Facts like the world starting with two people are accepted by atheists. Except when you talk about um, Adam and Eve. Where the Bible actually confirms, yes, it's true that the whole human race comes from two people. All right. 
So, so facts are accepted, except when the facts are preceded and confirmed by the Bible. If there's physical proof of a worldwide flood and eyewitness accounts of Jesus' existence inside and outside the Bible, it takes a long shot to just call it myths. Jesus' own brothers and mother never objected to the virgin birth. If it doesn't make sense, then we can't believe it. That's sort of what the atheists say. Well, everything coming from nothing and humans being just like the animals... That also just doesn't make sense to me when I look at it. So atheists have to accept some consistency and, and accept that fact that their faith also contains irrational elements. I hope this uh, podcast has given you some stuff to think about, and to wrestle with, and to talk about with your families over supper or your boyfriend, your girlfriend. And um, yeah, feel free to send me your thoughts. May God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Love you all. Cheers.